You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. It's Reception Perception, the show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. As we head into, can you believe it, week number 15, Matt? It's crazy <laughs> stuff. I know, man. Yeah, we're we're definitely coming down the home stretch. Uh, like I've said, it, if last few shows, I feel like you know that the amount of um, all day work day Sundays for for us are are slowly but surely fading away but uh, I do think it's it's been a fun year you know I think this week 14 slate was um I don't know that it was as much of a banger as week 13 you know there wasn't as, no. as many like big big games or anything like that but <laughs> I do think there's some like and we'll obviously get into a bunch of them here, but there's a lot of like takeaways to come out of week 14, a lot of things to break down that are important for, I don't know, not just, I feel like not just for the playoffs, but also like for these few teams, like their future and, and stuff like that. So I, I did think it was a very fascinating week of games. I totally agree with you. And I think there's a lot of topics that we're going to hit on to kind of just not only talk about the takeaways from this week and this season, but also, as you mentioned, kind of taking a look forward into 2023. I, I think it's fair to talk about Tom Brady's future, Debo's future. You know, what does Tua look like, as a matter of fact? You know, I, I think that's a big talking point um, as we go into week number 15. But I, I kind of want to start there in Dallas because it's we joke around okay ty hilton gets you know signed it's like okay well who cares right but right it's like if i could put my tinfoil hat on for a second i look at the ty hilton signing and then you hear some of the 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 back reports of like okay dallas took a look at some of odell's you know medicals and maybe they didn't really like what they see so it's like and i think that's important because remember dallas came in hot and mm-hmm. bothered looking for odell man so i don't know what were your kind of takeaways on that ty hilton deal well i don't think we have to put the tinfoil hat on i mean <laughs> dallas has pretty much leaked out that they were concerned about the medicals which by the way if i was odell and his people i'd be pissed that like i go to buffalo nothing i go to new york nothing as soon as i go to dallas oh loose slip Jerry jones and the boys are, are leaking out that yeah the medicals not looking great um because i also i like i think that the medicals are probably um an issue it's also probably an issue you know that he's on like what is lebron's stupid show the the barber the barbershop show it's or called whatever the shop. it is yeah the shop whatever anyways uh <laughs> hey hey hold on hold on hold on don't call it stupid because our our guy marcus grant his wife works on that show we, we can't oh, be talking true. noise Cannot be talking noise about the shop. Cannot do. I take it, it back. Cannot do the it. Okay, fan, that fantastic outlet, uh, the there shop, uh, which is. is produced by a wonderful, wonderful woman. <laughs> Jesse's fantastic. She's working on the show. Great stuff. Yes, Love good. it. Yes. Anyways, okay, good. He's in the he's in the barber shop or whatever, and uh, he's saying like, "What does it even? I don't. What's it matter if I play in the regular season? Who who cares basically?" And I mean, that just is a weird thing to say. It's also just. No, there we know there's a contract issue. We know that he wants to get yeah. paid, like right, right, right. You know, he wants to get paid up upfront money. He wants to get paid whatever. Like that was the whole thing with the Rams that he got pissed at the Rams did Odell Beckham that they didn't want to give him like the Michael Gallup deal, right? Like Michael, it's funny again that we talked about this with the Cowboys that they gave Michael Gallup like a five year deal, knowing that hey, we're not going to get anything out of this guy early in 2022. Um, it, I, he, we probably won't get fully formed Michael Gallup until 2023, but we don't care because we believe and we love and we really value the player. And the right. fact, I think that Odell was pissed that the Rams didn't have that same vibe towards him. And I think they're still, he's still looking for somebody to give them that. So I think the medicals are part of it, but I, I am also, 
I, I guess I will put my tinfoil hat on and say that I'm sure it's not just the medicals that they're bothered by. It's probably a con it's probably a contract thing and they don't want to pay him sight unseen, which I, I you can kind of go both ways on it. Like I, I get it. The fact that we have seen about 500 uh, Odell speculation tweets from insiders <laughs> and 0.0, .0 like workout hype videos or even him running right. a damn route on Instagram. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. like that's, that's, that's troubling. Right. That's troubling. I just feel like when he was talking about, Oh, I don't even need to play in the, in the regular season. You know, that's like, that's like when you ask a girl out and she rejects you and you're like, ah, you know what? I, it's cool. Like, I didn't even want to, I didn't even want to go out there. Honestly, honestly, I, it was just more yeah. of like, uh, it was just a thing. Uh, you know, I, yeah. now that I think about it, I, I really did want to go out there anyways. You know what I mean? It's like, it was one of those. It was like, uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Sure. Odell. Right. 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 Yeah. You right. don't want to play in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And I, also I like, yeah, yes, you do. Like, remember <laughs> it took him, it took him a little bit to get integrated into the Rams offense last year. And like, nobody has better things to say about Odo Beckham as a player than I do. I mean, I, right. I love Beckham as a player. I think he is, you know, I, I talk about him in reception perception all the time as a guy who still owns like several of the best success rate versus man coverage scores ever recorded. I think he's still number one in success rate versus press coverage all time from his rookie season. I mean, he's a legendary talent. And last year I 100% maintain, and even guys like Cooper cup have said like, we don't go to the Super Bowl without that Odell Beckham edition oh, yeah. last year. To, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. and he was on his way to like moonwalking into the Super Bowl MVP discussion because of how he was playing in that game versus how they were defending guy, the Bengals were defending Cooper Cup. So, but he had he got with that team like what week was it week ten week nine something like that last year, and it wasn't as if he was firing on all, all cylinders right, right away. It took a few games for him to sort of get ramped up and get fully integrated in the offense and for them to be like, all right, Beckham's best spot here is as that backside X receiver running dig routes, stuff like that. He can unlock a new dimension for us. But again, it took some time for them to get there. So the idea that he could, I don't know, sign with the team and then like just be playing on wild card round, which is kind of the timeline that like Micah Parsons said that he he told them there that, oh, he'd be ready by by uh, the first, you know, five weeks from now, which would be the first round of the playoffs, whatever. Um, yeah, I just don't know that I buy that. I don't know that I buy yeah. that. As great as a player he is when he's healthy, as great as a player as he is, I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, I mean, and he, I know he wants the whole Michael Gallup treatment, but you got to understand he's 30 years old, you know, obviously significantly older than Michael Gallup, and also two ACL tears on the same knee. Right. That is troubling to say the least, uh, especially given his age at this point in his career. All right, so we'll move on from that, man. And but well, it, hey, it, just it one, is, one last yeah, one last ahead. thing on on the on the whole Beckham and the Cowboys thing, like. And I know they obviously they signed T.Y. Hilton, so they in some way think like we do. We actually we need a wide receiver, right? Also, by the way, shout out to our guy Jalen Tolbert, who was just like not just can't can't sniff the field on this team. <laughs> Does he exist? Like, Does he exist? On? Does he who, exist? who knows? Um, I know at, at several times this year we have, especially early in the year, we were really hammering the point that like, yeah, the Cowboys need wide receiver help bad, man. Because remember they were running out CD Lamb and a bunch of goofballs like the first two weeks of the season. Remember, Den remember Dennis Houston and Semi for who the hell? Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> remember those days. But I'd make the case that right now, like the Cowboys yeah. don't really need. I know they're coming off a weird game against the Texans, but I don't right. think they really need another wide receiver. Like I don't think they need somebody as high, like T.Y. Hilton, whatever. I think he's just going to be like a role player for this team. Maybe be like a flanker slot hybrid guy, you know, maybe take some reps from Noah Brown, I, I guess. But um, I'd make the case that right now, I don't really see a need for another big time outside receiver. Cause you know, CeeDee Lamb's balling in his role in the slot. He's been awesome this year. Michael Gallup has been trending the right direction um, even if he's never going to be full-fledged Michael Gallup the rest of the season, I think he's still pretty good. And then Noah Brown has given them good play. You know, Dalton Schultz is there he as has. a tight end. And, and their their best stuff is when they, you know, sit back and run the football, man. That's when they look great is when Zeke and Pollard are popping off. So I'm just not really sure, like, at this point, that I, I, would it be nice to have a fully-fledged, fully integrated, awesome Odell Beckham into the team? I mean, yeah, who – it's like, like I see, I talked to see lamb last week and he was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. I would a hundred percent welcome that. I'd love that. But like, do they need it? I'm not sure. 
Yeah, I don't know if they need it either, but it would be a nice addition to have. Um, again, maybe he doesn't have that explosion deep downfield, but, you know, C.D. Lamb kind of working 50-50 inside-outside. Uh, I tell you what, when he does kick when he does kick outside, I think Odell also has the ability to kick inside uh, if that were to be the case. So it's it, he could be an interesting movable chess piece for them, somebody that's a little bit more explosive than Noah Brown. I, look, I like Noah Brown. I think he's a, you know, a fine you know, rotational player, but certainly Odell Beckham uh, sure, would be an yeah. upgrade there. Uh, at, at least we would think. At least in we theory, would think. It's all in yes. theory, right? <laughs> yes, it's all in theory for sure. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, man, let's talk about another wide receiver here in Debo Samuel. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, everyone thought the worst. Uh, and really, it's two weeks in a row now. Everyone thought the worst of Trevor Lawrence, and the dude just went out there and absolutely crushed it, balled out of his mind. Uh, yeah. We thought he had a bad wheel, but no, he looked totally good to go. Um, <laughs> Debo, same thing. When he got rolled up, man, I mean, just about damn near everybody thought that he tore an ACL or, or something real, at the very least, a really bad high ankle sprain. It comes back an MCL injury in a, in a regular ankle sprain, a low ankle sprain. No ACL damage, no high ankle. He's expected back this season. Um, I, although I think it is a fair question to ask, Matt. You know, what do we kind of expect with Debo Samuel not just for this year, but I mean, even moving forward into 2022 and beyond. It's a good question. Um, you know, and just on like the idea that he could be back this season, I, I think there's certainly a chance he could play again in the regular season. But, you know, part of me is almost like, do you want to do you really want to risk it? You know, no. do you want to bring him back early? Because the 49ers right now, according to 538, have a 98 percent chance to make the playoffs. They have a 92 percent chance to win the division. They do play Seattle on Thursday night. Um, yeah, that's so that's that's a big game although seattle's kind of trending in the wrong direction and man bcb brock purdy bro was just what a what a game what a game on sunday <laughs> hopefully he's healthy uh yeah. you know with this oblique injury too so i don't know part of me is almost like i I'd, I'd rather they just i don't know shut debo samuel down rest the season and just bring him back in the playoffs because not not like they they've got like a shortage of playmakers right uh Ayuk right. was awesome on sunday chris mccaffrey was awesome on sunday so um, I think there's a chance they could they could shut him down, even if he's like quote healthy enough, anyways. But to your point about like you know the the, re the rest of the, this season or even going forward with Debo, you know, man, yeah, and I just saw, I guess got alert right now that like Debo could return as soon as week 17. I I just don't even again I don't see the point of like bringing him back in week either. 17 because I think you yeah. I think you'll have your your stuff all wrapped up by then. But w whatever, we'll see. Um, 
I, I do. Debo's a tough one for me, man, because, you know, we just did the, the superstar, uh, the, pen, the wide receiver superstar penthouse episode. Right. And I don't think either one of us even considered putting no. Debo in there, right? Didn't even mention him. And I think last year we mentioned him in pass in like in passing and both agreed. We, we don't, we don't have him. We don't have, we don't know. No, no. And, and clearly at the end of last season, Debo Samuel was clearly a, a top five wide receiver, you know, again, not from like a route running standpoint or any, any of those things, but just overall player. Right. And yeah. that, and that's the evaluation that you need to take with somebody like Debo Samuel is you just got to look at the player. Like what does he, what does this guy do? Um, all over the football field. Hey, listen, coming in, you know, before the injury now, you know, coming into week 14, we're talking about a guy that had 840 scrimmage yards, five total touchdowns, 54 receptions. Although it is interesting, a career low 59.3% catch rate from a fantasy perspective and a real life perspective. He had some dominant moments, but certainly they were few and far between. He's had a couple of games of 20 point PPR games, a couple of single digit PPR games and a lot of these ho-hum 12 to 15 point games as well. Fantasy is not everything, but I think even from a real life perspective, just watching him play, he did not necessarily make all of those splash plays um, that we got accustomed to seeing in 2021. Look, it's definitely fair to say he didn't build on his 2021 campaign. I think this is where I, I definitely sometimes rail on, on fantasy uh, for being like, you know, getting too lost in the weeds and stupid stuff and like you know, over-focus on stats and, and things like that. But this is one thing where I think like fantasy players and, and even a, most fantasy analysts um, really are ahead of the curve on then like casual NFL fans or NFL observers on like just how tough it is to roll over year to year, like hyper efficiency, like a guy like Debo Samuel, who was hyper efficient, you know, the big plays, the running hot on touchdowns, running hot on like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with Jalen Waddle uh, on the superstar episode where the amount of like what Debo Samuel was doing consistently getting not just the, the, the yards after the catch, but getting yards after the catch on like passes in the intermediate area, just absurd stuff. That's really hard. Like the, the R word regression, right? Like where, you know, the, the, oh, the, the villain of the villain of fantasy, but like, it is the reality that yeah. it's really hard to roll over hyper efficiency like that. And and this is something I've said all a lot with Debo that like everybody uh, was very excited about what he did the first, you know, eight weeks of the season last year, 10 weeks of the season last year, when he was just dominating the targets, dominating the the passing opportunities in in San Francisco. And I, I said a lot, like that's not ever going to happen again because Ayuk is out of the doghouse. And I mean, he looks incredible this year. He looks like a, he's a star, le- a, close to a star level player. Mm-hmm. Um, Kittle was not healthy during that stretch. So like, that's the funny thing is his production is down, but I don't feel any differently about Debo Samuel, the player right now than I did week five, week six of last season. Like he's the same guy, but the stats aren't there because there's so many other guys involved in this offense. And okay, well then when you bring the target share down, you bring the opportunities per game down, you lessen your odds of hitting that absurd big play that he's one of one in terms of what he can do, like make it those big plays he can make in the open field. It just, again, when your opportunities per game are down, your, your target share is down, the, the less chances you're going to have to hit that kind of play. And I think that's probably what's going on with him. Yeah. So 2021, the guy had 1,770 scrimmage yards, 14 touchdowns, and it was just incredible, right? Now, he also had 13 yards per touch. I bring that up because in 2020, he had 10 yards a touch. And in 2019, he had 13.5 yards per touch so this season in 2022 it's 8.8 yards per touch a significant downgrade uh not just from 2021 but i think from his career standpoint Mm. in general as well so i just i look at that and i say okay is 2021 which was his third year in the league this is his fourth is 2021 gonna be more of a footnote on his career or is this or is this year 2022 going to kind of be that, oh, well, he just had that one down year, but now he's back to being Debo Samuel. You know what I mean? Is he going to be the bully on that block in 2023 and beyond? Or is 2021 more of kind of a, you know, a unique unicorn type season? I'm not that sure. Yeah, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely on the fence about it too, because Obviously, again, what he did from a yards per catch standpoint last year 
18.2. That's right. nuts considering he considering again he is not like a vertical we typically think of these guys that lead the nfl and by the way he led the nfl in yards per reception last year we typically think of those guys as like deshaun jackson types you know the outside the numbers like vertical guys he's obviously could not be anything he couldn't be more different than that type of player so that was again those are this is the type of thing what i say with fantasy folks are there we're good about knowing that that's not like going to repeat like he he ain't going to just average 18.2 yards per reception (laughs) probably ever again um no. And he's, I mean, he's had a bit of a weird career too, right? Cause his 2020 season, I talk about this a lot is one that almost is like, you need to just take that in the trash and throw it out because he's had, he had such a, like he was clearly playing hurt all year. He had like a little right. tiny microscopic a dot. And um, then you come back to like the rushing stuff the last two years, you know, 59 carries 365 yards uh, in 2021, 41 carries 228 yards this year, almost a full yard less, uh, on average per 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 carry there again that's just the stuff that's gonna regress i don't but and then, and then part of me too is like bro i don't really want to be seeing debo samuel you know running up the middle anymore like that, i mean right. that's how he got hurt in in this game right and but then at the other other that's side what jerry token, right? jerry jerry rice the legend jerry rice tweeted that out stop sending these guys up the middle <laughs> and i couldn't agree more i know so so but at the same time what what Debo does as a runner is so special, right? Like, I mean, the mm-hmm. first touchdown in this game was like a crazy play down the sideline. It was a bit, again, a more outside breaking uh, towards the sideline type of run. I think you could still get him doing it that way. But like, yeah, these Debo up the gut runs, like enough already with that. Um, so according to your reception perception data here, um, success rate versus man, uh, his, he's always been kind of meh about yeah. that. Even, even below average, um, certainly right in, in 2019, uh, you had him down at 66.9% success rate versus man. And last year in 2021, um, 64, per, uh, 64.3%, uh, has always been man, great yeah. against zone always, I mean, elite against zone North of 85%. Uh, both in 2019 and 2021. Again, we'll just kind of sort of toss out 2020, um, which is fine. But um, but again, that that's kind of sort of the player uh, that he is. Although, Matt, I, I'll ask you this. Are you a little bit surprised maybe that he has not increased his success rate versus man score? Not really, because um, I think he's a little bit of a, a limited player, just like I, I, he's just never been that great of a technician when it comes to uh, his ability to win against like tight physical coverage. Um, he's certainly like a, I think he's a good contested catch receiver, right? Like I think, I don't think it's a lack of like physicality, stuff like that. I just think like in terms of getting off the line of scrimmage, in terms of like breaking on your routes against man coverage, I don't think he's ever been great about that. I think he's just, I do think he's a really smart player. I think the route combinations in San Francisco are great, which is why he's been a good zone coverage beater and shoot. I mean, most of the NFL run zone coverage is really important. Like the fact that he's an elite player against zone coverage, you know, it just makes a lot of sense, but you know, he's never been a guy that I I think even his biggest supporters are like, you know, even the 49ers who clearly love the guy would ever think like, yeah, we don't take Debo Samuel and line him up at X receiver. And like, you know, no, we move him (laughs) pre-snap at flanker. We get him in motion prior to the line, prior to the snap, stuff like that. So that's why he's been a great zone coverage beater because he's able to get into those spots. But yeah, I, I, I'm not too surprised. It's just kind of the player that he is. You know, two random notes that I, I just wanted to kind of get out there too is um, I know Shanahan has his detractors, you know, um, but I think one of the things that I, I've definitely appreciated about Kyle Shanahan is that he's able to kind of look at what guys are able to do well. And mm-hmm. he puts these guys in positions to succeed. You know, Debo Samuel, I think, is certainly a guy that he's helped do that with. And then now that I look at the run game now with CMC, too, I'm watching oh, yeah. so, so much more gap scheme stuff um, than I think I've ever seen from a Kyle Shanahan yeah, offense. Right. And I think for me, that really fits into what, you know, like CMC's vision you know, works well. Like he, I think he's a better gap scheme runner than a, than an outside zone runner. Not that he can't do it. It's just, you know, going back to a Stanford days, it's all about power football and those kind of things. Right. And, and, and to be honest with you, I just feel like Shanahan has changed up his run game. Not that he never had gap scheme runs in his offense. Obviously he did. Um, but the outside zone runs were just such a like big part of what made Shanahan's run game so special. But 
now that he has a special player in CMC, I'm I'm seeing a lot more gap scheme, like guards pulling and you know CMC running right up the middle, right around and or whatever it might be. So I I just think, like I said, I know Shanahan has a lot of detractors, uh, but boy, I tell you, I, I've really been impressed um, with his overall offense, his and just his ability to kind of mold and adapt what he does offensively to fit his guys' uh, skill sets the best. 100%. And you just can't argue with the production they get out of quarterbacks, right? I mean, you know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, always super efficient. I think we got to, you know, I, I was uh, tweeting about this a little bit with uh, Evan Sowards today. He's a 49ers fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, bro, we got to talk about Brian Greasy a little bit more, right? Like, remember they hired <laughs> Brian Greasy? He was like, a, he's commentating Monday Night Football last year, and they hire him to be the quarterback coach. And like, Man, Jimmy, I think, has had his best season this year as a 49er. You know, obviously, the Trey Lance injury is unfortunate. But then, like, Brock Purdy comes out, and he's just dealing, bro. I mean, he was, I mean, he was legitimately really, really good against the Buccaneers. I watched that game pretty much start to finish. And you can't, like, well, until they cut it off. Until they cut it off. Like, Brock Purdy's beating Tom Brady's ass so bad, they took it <laughs> off, like, TV. on. Uh, they're like, we can't, we can't let you see the rest of this. Like, you, you don't want to watch Tom Brady get his ass beat by Brock Purdy, right? Go check out Sam Darnold and Geno Smith. Check out that barn burner over there. Whoa, oh look at how many gosh. carries Chuba Hubbard has, right? So, um, but, like, you, you can't really say – I mean, he had one mistake, right? They get called back from, because of a holding play that wasn't really part of the play no. at all. So there was that one mistake. But, I mean, Purdy was a, the la- literally the last pick of the draft and was ready to roll against the Bucs. Yeah. Like, which their defense is obviously – their entire team, we're talking about them, are, are underperforming. But, I mean, my God, they still have good players on defense. And this guy, Brock Purdy, was just out there dealing. Like, I, I think – I'm just kind of surprised we haven't had some sort of, like – I don't know, big puff piece on Brian Greasy because he's got these quarterbacks ready to roll. That's such a great point. And I think it's because um, we're just so used to kind of like heaping praise on the Shanahan's True. Um, that, that we don't necessarily maybe kind of look at some of their assistance there. Uh, but overall, yeah, you're right. Brian Greasy, I think, has been a little bit of a quarterback whisperer. I, and I, I, I even wonder, is, is it like less mechanics and just more like mental, you know, because this guy's got so much, you know, just experience in terms of like talking to quarterbacks and like kind of bringing out the best. But, you know, the thing about Brock yeah. Purdy, too, that, that I love, man, like he's got this irrational confidence about him, too. <laughs> like, yeah. like, bro, you're Mr. Irrelevant, but he plays like he's got the, like that moxie, which I love, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of forgotten about Brian Greasy at all again because really I feel like nobody's talking about Brian. No one Greasy is. No one until is talking about him. Greg Olson brought him up during the broadcast against the Bucks on Sunday because they used to play together in Chicago. Like that's right. It, like he was like, oh yeah, he was around when um, wow. the other guy who does who's the other guy? Is it Burkhardt who does the games with mm-hmm. the, Kevin with Burkhardt? Greg Olson? Yep. Yeah, Burkhardt so, brought yeah. it up. Like you were teammates with him uh, when when you were in Chicago, and uh, yeah, they went on a big thing about Greasy after that. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting, but yeah, Brock Purdy, man, a lot of confidence, BCB, <laughs> it, it, what, what a guy. Hey man, uh, let's stay in that same game. I, you, you can't get away from talking about Tom Brady, man. You, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, this rookie comes in and just absolutely lays the smack. Down. I get the Tampa Bay's down Vea. Uh, they're down both starting safeties, but who cares, dude? Like Purdy played really, really well. Um, and I know Tom Brady's going up against, you know, again, arguably the best defense in the NFL in San Francisco, but bro. Oh my <laughs> God. Tom Brady looked absolutely horrific man like what is going on i think again this is a fair question to ask is my dude tom brady who's like aarp membership like is he done like is he done done because bro he looked bad and he's looked bad for the last three or four weeks (sighs) yeah man i think this was the first game i'll say this was the first game where i was like ooh with, with Brady, man. And, you know, he's 21st on the season in EPA per dropback. He's, I mean, he's below like Marcus Mariota. Okay. Like, oh, <laughs> not, not great. You know, adjusted yards per attempt, another, another quarterback metric. I, I really, and of course with all these things, like it doesn't completely isolate the quarterback. Right. We, we know right, that, right, but right. like, you know, right. adjusted yards per attempt, Brady's certainly not where you expect him at all. He's 25th, right. He's below Taylor Heineke and Mac Jones Yo. in that metric on the season. So uh, I think there's a there, there's a lot of factors at play with the Bucks and why they're disappointing this year. Um, 
we've talked about the coaching and the play calling a little bit on the show. You know, I, I think Todd right. Bowles has run a way too conservative operation. I think Byron Leftwich has gotten way too conservative. Uh, they, they really love smacking their head against the wall with the first and 10 runs. They love, love, love that stuff. Um, you know, even, even with Leonard Fournette, like kind of seeding some carries to Rashad white, they're still, they're not a good run team, but man, I mean, Brady, like, this was, again, this was the first game where where I was like, he's missing he's missing stuff and, and missing by a lot. Like looking by looking a t- lot. By a lot. Yeah. Like this was the first game where I got 2015 Peyton Manning vibes. Cause I don't think I've gotten 2015 Peyton Manning vibes from Brady very often this year. Um, in fact, like I think he's for, for a lot of the season, he still threw a pretty good ball. He still, you know, had a good throwing motion, stuff like that. But the one thing I think is definitely true with Brady, like he wants to get rid of the ball so so fast he does he does not look like he wants to get hit i mean 2.32 time to throw this year that is nuts like tua gets the ball out really fast at 2.4 seconds brady you know at 2.3 i mean that's just that's kind of crazy there's there's no (laughs) how can you run how can you run a functional offense like that i mean nobody like trevor lawrence is in terms of guys that have started for the bulk of the year He's at 2.41. He's at 2.41. Two is at 2.46. Like, you know, Joe Burrow's at 2.43. Like that, and I know it's like, oh, it's a point one of a second. But that matters a lot no, in the no, NFL, no, that right? Matters, like that, that matters a ton. Yeah, absolutely. So the fact that Brady is almost a full, you know, point second, point one faster than Lawrence and, and Tua and Burrow and these guys, that's that's troubling, man. Like he he wants to get that ball out so fast and it's just tough in today's NFL to, to, to create a bunch of chunk plays like that um, when your protection's not good either. So there's a lot of issues going on with Brady. Uh, but I, I do think that, again, I'm with you that this is the first, at least one of the first few games where I was like, yikes, this is not good. Yeah, no. I, and I, I think just the, the miscommunication that he has, I think with his receivers, I think is something too. Um, I think, you know, he had a little bit of a, I don't want to say a shouting match or whatever, but clearly he and Mike Evans had words, right? Been, and that's not the first time that they've no. not been on the same page. Yeah. But Tom Brady has missed him as well. Like bad throws. Um, there was a shot of him too, where his, uh, he, he followed through on a pass uh, and banged his, his, his throwing hand on a defender's helmet. I wonder how much that hurt him, how much that, you know, kind of hampered him. It's, but then yeah. at the same time, they never showed that he put on tape or, or did any kind of adjustments to it might still be bothering him. I don't know, but man, I tell you what, he's looked bad. He looked bad in this game. Uh, I thought he looked bad against uh, new Orleans for about three and a half quarters. Right. Right. Um, and, and he's had these moments and, and, and I try to find these moments where you're right. Like his throwing motion looks fine. I think the ball's coming out fine. Uh, but maybe the play calling's just not there. And I tell you right now, his accuracy to me, uh, is just not where we're used to seeing it. I mean, his ball placement is legendary, man. You know what I'm saying? I know, I know, yeah. And I just don't think we have that right now. I think the arm strength looks fine. I think uh, it's yeah. you, you bring up 2015 Peyton Manning or whatever, and Manning's arm was just gone Toast. at that point. I don't think we're there with Tom Brady, but what has happened to ball placement, dude? Like, where, what, what is going on? It doesn't make any sense to me. And again, you talk about all the EPA stuff. I'll bring up passer rating. And again, not a perfect metric by any stretch of the imagination. I understand. But an 88.9 passer rating this year, that's the second lowest rating he's had since 2013. So we're talking about a decade's worth of football here. His uh, his Actually, his lowest uh, passer rating came in his last season in New England at 88.0. But as we know, that last year in New England, he had absolutely no one, no one, not a soul to throw to in New England. <laughs> well, they did, they did, they did trade a second round pick for Muhammad Sanu. So, oh man, <laughs> that's I forgot about that. Oh, Mo Sanu, no. Oh, oh my God! I tell you what, man. Um, Bill Belichick, the GM, has not helped Bill Belichick, the coach. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that was, by the way, that was after using a first-round pick on Nikhil Harry, so. Oh, brutal. That is so bad. I think that offseason, too, then they spent big money to go get Nelson Aguilar, right? Like, oh, my God. No, that was a couple more. That was a couple. A couple seasons after? after. Yeah, that was a couple after. Golly. 
Jesus Christ. Is there any <laughs> is there any worse wide receiver evaluator in the NFL than Bill Belichick right now? What's going on? Come on, Bill. Yeah, they, You're better they, than they, this. They swung another big one on uh, Tyquan Thornton this past Jeez. year. Unbelievable. Okay. They, hey, New England, you have my you, you could find my email, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to help. I know. Can you hire my guy, Matt Harmon, to be a wide receiver consultant, dude? He'll find you the right guys, man. What is going on? Uh, let me tell you, I, I, I promise you, he has very reasonable rates. Okay, very reasonable. God, uh, yeah. my Literally, guy, I, I'll, work, I'll work for probably 0.5% of what you're paying, Bill. 0. There you 5. go. 0. 0.5. Not very affordable. Come on. Very, very affordable. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Reception Perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Um, can we talk about another struggling quarterback here in Tua, Tunga Vailoa? Um, I went on this program last week and, I, and people said, and, and I was actually caping up a little bit for Tua. A little bit, you know, it's a little bit out of character for me because, you know, I, I kind of fight Very. the tide of, uh, of people saying Tua for MVP or whatever. Uh, last week against San Francisco, people said Tua got exposed. I, I disagreed with that take. Uh, but I come back this week and I legitimately ask you, Matt Harmon, did Tua get exposed against the Chargers this week? A team that is down Joey Bosa, a team that was down Derwin James, a, da- a team that was down Bryce Callahan. Tua played absolutely horrific football. Did he get exposed? I mean, at one point he was three for three for 17. I was about as ghastly as you could get him before they hit that big one to Tyree kill, man, their biggest play was the fumble recovery for a touchdown from Tyree kill, which by the way, right. Have you seen the clip that like Teron Armstead, like shoveled that out to Tyree kill from the, from the, scrum? from the bottom of the pile. Yeah. He <laughs> actually popped it up to Tyree that's kill. Amazing. And ran, I mean, that's dude. That's shout, next that, level. Shout out Teron, Teron Armstead for that yeah. one. But, um, did two get exposed? Uh, I don't know if exposed is the, is the right word, but I do think that um, I said this on my Yahoo podcast this morning. Like I think what happened, what has, what happened the first 12 weeks of the season, I don't care about that anymore. Like I don't care now. I don't care about that. Incredible. And I have, I love what the dolphins did the first 12 weeks of the season, right? Where, I mean, the amount of space that Jalen Waddle and Tyree kill created the way to, it was dealing over the middle of the field with those guys. I mean, if teams were, this this is the, this is the key piece. Teams were playing zone coverage at a league high rate against Tua. Nobody saw a higher percentage of zone coverage on their dropbacks than Tua among quarterbacks this year, and he was absolutely crushing it. Why would you Why would you not like because teams are terrified <clears throat> to big play big big boy man coverage against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because we know those two boys can ap- not just get open and shred man coverage. But like rip your pants off and and, and you know embarrass you <laughs> yeah, yeah, in man yeah. coverage because like right. they'll they'll, ri- they'll you know they'll rip you up. It, it's just it is what it is. However, however, last two weeks the 49ers went and played physical press man coverage on the receivers on the outside in the slot against these against these guys. And look, you're gonna get embarrassed when you do that. Look, it's the reality. You and Ty- Tyree Kill in back to back weeks has destroyed cornerbacks in, in like man press coverage situations, but it's one play. It's like one play per game. And if you can live with getting, you know, laughed out of the film room on uh, during the week, when you go back and watch the, watch the tape, 
that's fine because and it's not as if Tyree Kill can't beat press man coverage. It's not as if Jalen Waddle can't beat press man coverage. But d- what do we talk about the the timing and the amount of like seconds that Tua's getting the ball? He wants to get the ball out fast. Two point four seconds. Two point four two. Like he wants to get the ball out quick. Um, and this that little disruption from the press coverage there can throw off the timing of the quarterback. And if then if you also combine that um, physical man coverage on the outside with you know, like a robber safety coming down when you show two high looks and then you bring him actually into the middle of the field there. You have a guy maybe drop back in that middle. You disrupt that middle work to a wants to throw the ball. It throws every – you've just thrown the timing of the playoff. So I do think – I don't know about exposed, but I think they need to come up with a counterpunch to this brand of attack right now because – Team now it's on you know now it's on film right and the Chargers it's one thing for the 49ers to do that okay because the 49ers have a great defense right James but you just listed all the dudes off that were missing for the Chargers like and they haven't been a good defense all year even when their guys were healthy so now it's on film and now you're gonna have to find a way to to, to combat that if you're Miami and if you're Tua. I mean, again, no Derwin James, no Joey Bosa, no Bryce Callahan, three of their top players um, on the defensive side of the football. By the way, all of those guys who are, are past disruptors, you know, I mean, Derwin James and, and Joey Bosa do it all. But I mean, come on, uh, 10 of 28, 35 percent completion rate for Tua against the Chargers in primetime, 148 yards passing. Almost all of it came on that one play and the one touchdown um, to Tyreek Hill. Then you go back. And you kind of look at, I mean, when you have two of these kind of games, like Tua has had, where two, you're just like, whoa, this is bad, bad foot. Not just below average, but like, holy hell, you look like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Bad. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. When you have not just one of those games. But you've got two of those games now in back-to-back weeks. You take now, you take a look. You take you you brought it up yourself. Whatever he did in the previous 12, 12 weeks, you you, you kind of sort of disregard that. Well, you take. I'll tell you what the number one thing I do, and this is what everyone does. You kind of look back at like, okay, well, where was he successful? And you look at the five weeks leading up into this like two week just, I mean, dumpster fire. Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, Houston. All wins, all good games by Tua, but all of those teams are sub-500 teams all trying to find themselves, especially on the defensive side of the football. You could say Detroit's been surging. That's fine. But at that point in the season, Detroit was in the weeds, man. Um, and yep. their defense is still not very good. Let's be their real pass here. defense for sure, yeah. Exactly, right? So those five games in, in five weeks in a row, that's where Tua was kind of building that, like, dark horse MVP, you know, candidacy, right? Where you're just like, oh, he's putting up some stats. He's putting up some numbers. Miami's winning some games out here, man. Okay, now that being said, he did have a high-quality win week one against the Patriots, who I think also were in the midst of trying to find themselves. They're still trying to do that, obviously, with the quarterback position in their passing game. And they just beat the brakes off of Baltimore. But, But Baltimore in week two... Their secondary was all kinds yeah. of damaged, and uh, I think defensively they were damaged goods there in week number two. I think they're way better here um, at this point in the season than they were in the early part of the season. So, um, man, I don't know, man. You go back and you kind of sort of look at where Tua did well, and it was against some bad teams, man. Uh, and then he finally goes up against you know two teams that – and again, you brought up the Chargers not good defensively, dude. Come on, yeah. <laughs> Chargers not good defensively. Where did this game come from? It's absolutely—I don't know. It's kind of sort of mind-boggling. I love that you brought up the the man coverage because for me, I think my biggest criticism of Tua um, is that if he doesn't see it, he's not going to throw it. And he's done a yeah. lot better with that this year, Matt. But I think overall, I think you know when push comes to shove, you still do what you got to do. Um, and I think he's the kind of quarterback that if he doesn't trust it, he's not going to throw it. Yep. I think that's a hundred percent true. Um, yeah, man, it just, he's still, he's, he's come a long way from, from Mm -hmm. the player that he was early in his career. Um, for sure. You know, however, like if Tua ends up leveling off as like a, you know, a Jared Goff type or a Jimmy G type, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Right. Because, you know, me and Jared got like, that sounds so disrespectful, but I, I think guys like, I mean, Jared Goff, I think gets a bad rap, right. Is like a guy who stinks when he's just like a perfectly league average court, like starting quarterback. And I think totally, you know, if Tua levels off being a perfectly league average starting quarterback, it's just to me, the thing with like the, the, the criticism of Justin Herbert this year, um, 
like if you ask any serious person, like anybody who really sits down and like watches film or is like making decisions for an NFL team, would you take Herbert based on what he's shown so far in the NFL or would you take Tua? I don't think any serious person says I'd take Tua, right? Like, <laughs> I, I think I think you'd take Herbert. Right. And the, the, the overall criticism of Herbert this year has just been wild because just look at look at the, what the two guys we, we just talked about are dealing with, you know, Tua – I mean, you just live in, and it's not as if he's not executing the plays and it's not as if he's not even adding value to the plays, but you live in life on easy street, brother. When you've got Mike McDaniel dialing up some really great stuff and you've got Jalen Waddle and freaking Tyree kill as your two receivers. Meanwhile, Herbert is playing without Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And like, by the way, those two guys, they're both outclassed by at this point in their careers by the two guys we just talked about in Miami, but the drop off from by, them to by a else. wide margin by a too. lot. Oh, uh, yeah. by a lot. Right. Like Tyreek Hill better than Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddle, definitely better than Mike Williams. Okay. So that's just, even those guys aren't, aren't even like guys we considered for the superstar episode. Right. Like, <laughs> but the drop off from them to the guys that were playing, you know, without like that we're playing in their stead is crazy. And James, how many teams in the NFL can just like, survive losing their top two receivers like imagine imagine what would happen to joe burrow if damn uh jamar chase and t higgins both missed time at the same time imagine what that offense would look like i think burrow would still be very very good just like i think justin herbert has been very very good this year but the production wouldn't would look like shit okay the production wouldn't be as good that's just how it works the only person that can and has survived that Patrick Mahomes. I right. mean, like, I mean, yeah. he's, he's, it's unbelievable what he's doing. It, like th- those things that you bring up and it's like, you bring that to Patrick Mahomes and it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Well, we're just going to keep doing what we do. Like, <laughs> you know yeah, I, mean? I agree. That's, but Mahomes is like, incredible. but Mahomes is different. Okay. Like Dude, that's he's why different. he's different. That's why when you're sitting there ranking NFL quarterbacks, it's Mahomes. And then what, like, what do I do next? Okay. Like yeah. then the conversation starts. It's like tier one, Patrick Mahomes tier two. <laughs> now what? Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But so it's just yeah. like, and even, yeah, Mahomes still has Kelsey, of course. And that matters right. a lot, yeah, yeah, but yeah, what sure. he's done with the other goofball receivers this year that they've got there is, 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 is something to, to behold. So yeah, man, I, I like has Tua gotten exposed. I, I don't know if exposed is the right word, but I do think that it's a, it's, I, and I love when teams face these type of dilemmas because I like just, I mean, Sean McVay has faced it over the years with Jared Goff. You know, I think mm-hmm. that um, the, we just talked about Joe Burrow, the Bengals have faced that this year. Uh, like how, what do, how do we adjust teams have taken away our first punch? Do we have the talent and do we have the coaching to sit there and find a counter punch? I love when teams are, are you know, even how about the, the Eagles, right? Like, they tried something last year early on and it was not working. And then they changed their offense and they were great at the end of last year. And then this right. year they've been great this year because they have good players and they have good coaching. I think the dolphins have good coaching and I think they have good players so they can figure it out, but they have to figure it out. And I love when teams are faced with these dilemmas. I just want to shout out myself because I tell you what in week <laughs> six through eight, when your boy over here is criticizing Zach Wilson and Tua Tungavailoa and just getting absolutely smoked online, I'm holding firm. I'm like, nah, I know what I'm seeing with my eyeballs. I've seen enough football in my life to tell you Zach Wilson ain't it. I've seen enough football in my life to tell you Tua's about a league average quarterback, man. But no, people were trying to get all up in my mentions, all, all hot and huffy. <laughs> telling me I'm wrong that I don't know football that I don't know what I'm talking about now here we are going to week 50 where are y'all at where are y'all at that's all I wanted to where are y'all at I mean I don't I don't think that uh I think you'll still get some two of folks out there that come with you with and give you some heat you know it's only one game for sure, two games for sure. Yeah, for I sure. don't think you'll be getting any I don't think you'll be getting any mail from from the the Zach Wilson fan club all all three members wherever they are probably in a bunker somewhere There you go hey you mentioned uh, Jared Goff there with Detroit Detroit's been playing out of their minds offensively which is a big time surprise um but you brought up a, a very interesting point here maybe it's because that they're wide receiver core a little bit underrated uh right now by nfl folks well yeah you know i just talked about jared goff a little bit and like i said i don't um jared goff is like 
it's so weird that there's been this crazy uh, discourse about Jared Goff of late. Uh, now, you know, I talked a little bit about that with Amon Ross St. Brown. I get it because the production has been incredible. You know, Field Yates pointed this out that Jared Goff over his last five games, 69% completion rate, 1,311 passing yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, Jeez. 75 total QBR. The Lions are four and one in those five games, a top five offense in both yards and points per game this season. Um, and by the way, like the only loss in that five game stretch was to the Bills, and the Bill, they took the Bills to the end, right? They've been great. So Absolutely. I get it. That's crazy. But yeah, we know that. Jared Goff can produce in a good ecosystem. And that's the, the what I want to highlight here is that, you know, uh, the Lions ownership, like kind of read the riot actor had to give uh, Dan Campbell the dreaded vote of confidence this year. Right. Um, because <laughs> right. they were losing games like crazy. To, yeah, to yeah, begin. Yeah. But, but like once their ecosystem has come together, mm -hmm. I think Ben Johnson is a hell of a play caller. Like, by the way, Lions fans, Start to wrap your mind around, start to get mentally prepared to lose your offensive coordinator this year and have another discussion about what do they do because somebody's hiring Ben Johnson as a head coach. By the way, Ben, what a name, Ben Johnson. He could be like anybody, uh, you know, a, a local member of a member of your local government, uh, you know, a damn, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, like ben city, city council <laughs> member, um, g assistant general manager at your local food lion. Um, you know, a deacon at your church. I mean, he's he's an everyman, right? Ben Johnson, the name Ben Johnson. Give me a break. By the way, um, he you know, looks is, like an everyman too. That's the I was thing. just gonna I was just gonna say he looks <laughs> like another guy. Okay, somebody that you would like. Yeah, he does. I mean, shoot, he does look like a deacon in a church. I stand on. Uh, <laughs> he looks like you he know. Looks, he looks. He, he looks like every he looks. This is this is what isn't this what Lindsay Theory said about the the Colts OC that he looks like another. He just looks like every guy who hosts a fantasy football podcast. Yeah, he doesn't have enough of a beard, this Ben Johnson guy. But okay. yeah, I mean for 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 sure. Yeah, he's he's a little too he's a little too thin uh, to be a fantasy football podcast host. But uh, yeah, no, no, he Fantastic. doesn't. Basically, he doesn't look enough like me. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but he does he does look like an assistant general manager at, at your local food he line does, for sure, Ben Johnson. Does. So ben Johnson. but again, get ready for that face to not be up uh, at the front of the food line assisting during rush hour when there's when there's bagging needs. Get ready for him <laughs> to be up in front of there a podium go. as a head coach because he's been calling a great, great set of game plans. And man, I you know, this Lions wide receiver core I do think is really underrated. We know I, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is knocking on the door to be in the superstar club. I think that DJ Chark, you know, he's healthy, which is great to see because I don't know that he's been healthy for much of the last year and a half, right? Uh, he was terrible his last year in Jacksonville, but he was really good in 2019, and he's always been like a vertical stretch deep receiver. He's doing that stuff for the Lions, man. Now they got Jamison Williams out there. Yeah. Like, that's good stuff, brother. I mean, that's that's good, man. I, I, this, this Lions offense, and by the way, their offensive line, not only is Panay Sewell uh, a kick-ass pass catcher, I guess, but he's a great right tackle. Their whole <laughs> offensive line is awesome. And they got two backs. I mean, they even use Justin Jackson, but, like, they've got two backs, Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, who are great. Like, what's the weakness in the Lions' offense right now? I don't think you could find one. And Jared Goff is perfectly good enough to, to elevate all of these guys and keep the ship afloat. I think what Jared Goff has been able to do in his career that um, uh, that is really, really good. He's a great distributor of the football, right? Like he doesn't lock in on guys. Um, and, and, you know, again, I think he's good with play concepts and uh, a pretty smart football player, too. Um, he lacks a lot of physical tools that I think, you know, prevent him from being a great quarterback. But again, yeah, I think the slander's just gone too far, right? Like he's a perfectly average NFL quarterback, somebody who, again, you kind of look at the draft price and you say, okay, one overall, okay, that, that probably doesn't fit. But overall, he's just been, again, um, an average or even a slightly above average quarterback, to be honest with you. I will point out one thing, though. A lot of these games have come at home for Jared Goff, and for whatever sure. reason, man, like, dude, he is just so much better at home in the friendly confines, and that goes throughout his career as well. I know that's true of a lot of quarterbacks, but it is especially true 
of Jared Goff as well. On the road, um, and especially in bad weather environments, that's why this trade to Detroit for Goff made a lot of sense to me anyways. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if Detroit had that in their kind of like, you know, calculus or whatever. Um, I mean, shoot, he was just kind of like a, a a salary dump for the Rams. Right. It's like, a yeah, we'll give us two first round picks, and uh, yeah, sure, Ger- Jared Goff. But I mean, God, it's, that deal that deal's starting to look really good too. <laughs> Jeez, I think that's like a. It's always tough to say. Like, I, I can't. I don't think you could sit there and say the Rams lost the trade because they won no, the they damn didn't. Super Bowl. And if yeah, you're, it's if a win win. Yeah, right. It's a win win. That's what I was gonna say. Is I, I think yeah. like you're, you're. It's starting to look like a win win for both sides, which it probably always was because you got two first round picks out of it. But like, yeah. I mean, you got a starting caliber quarterback, right? Like, if they if they want to eventually try to do what the Rams did and upgrade on Jared Goff or what the 49ers did and, you know, try to upgrade on Jimmy Garoppolo by bringing in Trey Lance, like, try to get the theoretical upside guy, I think that's fine. But at the meantime, you have, like, a starting caliber quarterback. And, shoot, there's a lot of teams out there that would love a, a starting caliber quarterback for an ecosystem that's well set up. Uh, yeah. I think I think Jared Goff is is fine. I I am going to go ahead and 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 give you a sneak peek, but in in week fifteen, I am going to go ahead and you could sit down, Jared Goff. <laughs> he's going on the road and he's taking on Sauce Gardner and the Jets. No, that's nope. going to be tough. Yeah, no, nope. be tough. It's going to come all crashing down, and people are going to be all hot and bothered because the dude's been on absolute fire right now. He's got two touchdowns, two touchdowns and three touchdowns in back-to-back games, man. Like, nah, I'm, I'm telling yep. you, I'm going to tell you right now, week 15, sit down old Jared Goff. And you know me, I love Jared Goff on the road against the jets. I want no piece of that business, dude. Right. I mean, that's still the thing with Jared Goff. Can he go into a hostile environment? Can he play against a high quality defense can he beat like can he be the guy that wins can you be can you win because of Jared Goff in a hostile environment like that especially as you're trying to win big games eventually down the line in the Super Bowl playoff push stuff like that I mean so far the answer has been no when he's done it with the Rams (laughs) still be no with the Lions but for now he's fine yes he's fine yeah He's fine. He's good. All right. So there you go. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think the Lions wide receiver core as a group is probably pretty underrated, especially. I love that you brought brought up the health aspect of it, because once these guys started getting healthy, they've always been mer- missing that vertical threat. Right. And yeah. not only are they getting that from DJ Shark, now they're getting a vertical threat from Jameson Williams as well. Ooh, boy, I tell you, that's an interesting wide receiver group they got there. And Josh uh, Reynolds is not like a he was their like number one outside receiver for times last year when they picked him up midseason after the Mm -hmm. Titans cut him. The Titans cut him last year. (laughs) Right. And like now he's their fourth and which is like, oh, Josh Reynolds, a perfectly fine, capable NFL receiver when he's your fourth guy. Now he's their fourth guy. That's that's team building. That's team improvement right there. Yeah, I mean, I think doesn't he profile perfectly like again if we're bringing these LA comparisons, right? Like he he's like uh he's like a poor man's Robert Woods, right? Well, like, he's you like don't a poor man's him. Josh Reynolds. He played with the Rams. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Uh, but no, I mean he's a receiver that I think can play, you know, flanker yeah. a little bit. Um, and you know, if you need him to ke- get some tough catches inside, uh, I think he can do that too. I just don't think he's He's not a guy, as you mentioned, you don't want to be relying on this dude as an outside vertical threat. That's not his game, man. Uh, maybe he'll sneak one by the goalkeeper every now and again. But overall, that I don't think that's a very strong skill set uh, for old Josh Reynolds out there. But no. So, yeah, with Jamison Williams and DJ Chark playing outside, man, I think he can slide into a little bit more of a natural role. But you look at that group overall, I think that is a, an actually a pretty good group, especially headlined by a guy that's knocking on superstardom right there in Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, it all comes together through him, but it's a, uh, it's a fun offense. And I mean, shoot, I would love to I would love to see the Lions in the playoffs right now. I know we'll talk about the playoffs in, on our next episode, but uh, yes. there's a lot of teams in the NFC. I would <laughs> I would rather not see them and I'd rather see the Detroit Lions in the postseason. Man, I'll just bring up this last thing, and like I'm gonna galaxy brain this thing. But how about if Detroit shockingly moves on from their head and installs Ben Johnson as nah, their new they head won't. coach? They, nah, I don't. I think that's too much because I think Dan Campbell's actually been really good. People think of Dan Campbell as like just some meathead, but I actually think he's been a really good head coach. And like he's the one, by the way, who switched from like fired Anthony Lynn midway through last year and installed Ben Johnson mm-hmm. as the, as the play caller, like kind of in a collaborative effort there for a little bit and then fully pushed it to Ben Johnson. So I think that'd be a bit of a stretch, 
but it would yeah. because he's I mean, won, open, he's won the locker room. Yeah, they they love guys that are stuff, playing hard though, for so him. Yeah, yeah, for for sure, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, but that's just me galaxy braining something out there. But uh, you're right. Ben Johnson's probably leaving or or Detroit can pony up the cash, man, and pay this guy's like yeah. serious OC money, which they might do that too, man. So anyways, uh, great show today, obviously. Uh, but man, when we come back, um, maybe we'll talk a little Jerry Judy. We'll certainly uh, talk a little bit of the playoff picture laying out in front of us here as we go into week number 15. I really liked us talking about deep sleepers as well. I thought we'd really help some folks out there uh, win some fantasy matchups, baby, going into the fantasy playoffs. Uh, But those are topics that we will talk about in our next show that you will find in the next couple of days. But for this show and for Matt Harmon, I am James Coe. We'll see you.